We read here in 2 Kings chapter 20 that he's at the end of his life and he is facing now another great enemy, a greater than Sennacherib. He's facing the enemy of death. He's staring death in the face. And in verse 1, 2 Kings 20, it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. It's an amazing thing when you know that you're facing death. Uh, I, I don't know if any one of us have had such a situation. Perhaps some of us have. I certainly have not, where we know that something is going to happen, uh, usually a health-related thing, and uh, we're only given X number of days, weeks, months to live. And there's a, there's a great sobriety that comes into your life. I could only imagine uh, such news. But this is what happened with Hezekiah. He was told he is going to die. Get things ready. Because usually the way it is is that we there's a lot of unfinished business in our life. And most of us uh, would probably understand that uh, we die when um, when we least expect it, um, and it's a sad thing because I'm sure that there's a lot of desire and regret of being able to say things or do things uh, before we die, and we're not given that opportunity, and uh, it should be something that we're always keeping in our minds that if we were to die, and this is part of what uh, the psalmist says to teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom, is, is when we're thinking about death, it's not, not in a morbid way, but in a wise way, we want to make sure that our house is set in order, that there are things that we would like to say that we will say, or that there are things that we'd like to do that we will do before that day. It's just something to keep in mind. And then in verse 2 it says, He turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He created this private place. And so he was in bed, no doubt, and his deathbed. And all he could do was turn his face against the wall to create that private place where he can just speak to the Lord. And he prays and he says, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. He wept sore. He knew his time was running out and this is something that he, for some reason, he felt like he didn't finish uh, some things that he needed to finish, and he wept sore. And it came to pass, afore Isaiah was gone out 
into the middle court. So before Isaiah had left the place, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. I just want us to quietly and without a lot of um, fanfare just think about this scene and the words, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. And let's just think about those words. This is, this is the Lord speaking. He's speaking this to Hezekiah. Hezekiah, you remember, he had his face turned to the wall. He was in a very private space. Nobody else would have seen him. Nobody else would have heard him. But the Lord said, I have heard thy prayers, and I have seen thy tears. The Lord sees our tears when no one else on the planet can see our tears. The Lord can hear our prayer when no one else, even the closest to us, can hear those groanings of our heart. The Lord can hear and the Lord sees. He sees our tears. And that's a great comfort, but what I wanted to take a di little different angle was often we can pray and we can pray with words but as I was reading this I was thinking to myself does the Lord see my tears do I have tears at all and you can think the same for yourself do we have tears? Now, <clears throat> I want to be really careful here because it's not as if we're praying all the time and we're all the time having tears, but are there, are there any occasions, and I, I was just taking this to myself, to heart, in my own life, where there are tears at all? And why that's significant um, thinking about this myself, why that's significant is because tears is an expression outwardly of something very intense, an anguish of the soul, I would say, inwardly. It's just a, a manifestation. It's, it's an expression of, of something very powerful going on on the inside. And you know, we don't want to make too much about tears because we all know that uh, it, even that can be put on. But as I was just thinking about this, I was thinking, are there even any occasions in my life where I have shed tears? And thankfully, there, there were, there are. There's not a lot of times, but there were some times when 
the burden was so great and the desire for the Lord and for those burdens on my heart, they were so great that, it yes, there were times when we shed tears. I remember them. And I can say that the Lord has answered those prayers. I think that there is something significant about the idea of tears. Again, not to not to just focus on the tears in a literal sense, but in the sense of that which truly expresses real burden and anguish. And there is something about that that we should not overlook. The Lord Jesus, when he was praying in the garden, he prayed with strong crying and tears. That detail is there for us to consider. He prayed with strong crying and tears. When the father brought his son, his demon-possessed son, to the Lord, and he had been a long time in that condition, if you remember, and he was able to cope for a long time, but he finally came to the point where he broke down and he cried out, it says there in one of the Gospels, with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And it was at that point in time where the Lord stepped in in answer. And I, I have been asking the Lord to give me tears. Again, not, not in a necessarily a physical sense, but certainly I'm not opposed to it, but, but to give me real praying and real burden so as to have tears in my prayers. And I was th- as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, wh- why don't we pray with tears? Why is it that we, we can pray, but we don't pray with the heart overwhelmed with burden? Why is that? Well, I, I thought of two things. I'm sure that there are many other things, but I thought of two things. And... The first thing is simply that I know in my life when when there are things that I'm brought with uh, as far as needs to pray for, it's very difficult for me to enter in to those needs in a in a profound and personal way. It's very difficult for me to do that. Now, we're commanded to weep with those that weep and to rejoice with those that rejoice. So we know that this is something we should do. But I find I find it difficult to truly enter in. Unless, of course, we're praying together, there is a sense where when, when we're in a very intimate environment and, and brother is praying, sister is praying, and I think we can enter in, certainly a lot better. But when a request comes in from afar, from afar, it's very difficult just to feel it. And we have lots of requests that have come in, um, and, and lots of disasters and tragedies around the world. It is very challenging for me 
to really feel and enter into it. Now, I might be the only one, and that's okay. I hope I'm the only one. But, um, but, but my point in saying that is simply this. I believe that there's, there's a sense where we're wired that way, where we feel for things that are close to us. Okay, what do I mean by that? In Romans chapter 8, we see there in, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 9, we see the Apostle Paul, and he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. He says, I'm telling the truth. I have great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart. I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Apostle Paul is saying, I, this is the truth. I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ if it meant the salvation of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, he didn't feel that way about everybody. He, I mean, he didn't feel that way about, we don't read that about of anybody else. And I think it's just a very natural thing. It's an obvious point, but it, sh it should be noted that, that the Apostle Paul felt that way about his kinsmen, his brethren according to the flesh. Now, the Lord has put us in these circles, we usually call them families, where the burden is stronger than it would be naturally with anyone else. And he has done that for a reason. He's put us in various contexts, whether it's families or in church bodies or in even countries, language groups. The Lord has done this so that we would feel tremendous burden, I believe, for them. If no one, is going to, if no one else is going to pray for my kids, who else do I expect to pray for my kids or your children? yourself with your children and there is a wonderful thing that is happening when God places his people within these circles and these contexts language country nations families churches there is a stronger burden that's developed and so I believe that it's a proper thing for us to be praying with great burden for our families. No one else will pray like we will pray for our own children. And I believe that we should see it that way. We should see it as a, a, a providence that God has placed us where we are. Not a curse, not a uh, somehow a a poor turn of events or, you know, if I wish I were in a different family or a different something, God has placed us there. So he has given us burden there. There's uh, another thought here that I had about uh, why we maybe don't pray with burden as we sh should is um, even, even when we are faced with the burden of our families, when our minds are so distracted 
that even that natural burden that we should have is diminished. It's numbed and it dissipates because of something else that has taken its place in our minds. And we've talked about this many times. This is the great challenge, by the way, the distractions of this world. And I believe that it's going to take some effort for us to keep as much of the distractions away from our our minds. This is part of the reason why we're, we're doing our best. We're not perfect on this prayer call, but we're doing our best because we want to create a one one moment in time where we feel like we could make an attempt to really focus on what we're doing, keep the distractions out. And so what happens is that when, when there are other competing thoughts coming into our hearts, then those natural burdens will go away and therefore the tears will go away. Um, and the devil is hard at work. Just keep thing after thing after thing entertainment, um, news, um, interesting things. Just keep it coming. Keep feeding that, that feed. And uh, as long as we don't have to dwell too much on those burdens, those concerns, well, he'll be happy. So, it's a very simple thought, but the point just being that we want to pray with tears. Again, I, I'm stressing, we're not talking about tears literally, per se. Certainly not ruling it out, but we're certainly not talking about it per se. But we do want to pray with great, strong desire, great burden, so the Lord can say to us, I've heard thy prayer, that's good. But he can also say to us, I have seen thy tears. And that would be better. <laughs>